All right. Welcome to our second episode of Three Friends in a Book. Uh, We're three friends. I'm Holly. I'm Janine. And I'm Caroline. And we write, like to read books, sometimes good, some that we enjoy, some that we're like, eh, not so much. Um, so this week we are discussing uh, the book Empire Falls by Richard Russo. And just as a reminder, when we read these books, one of the things that we like to do in our discussions is to refer back to the Hannah Arendt quote. A rent quote, which talks about um, the things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. Um, so Empire Falls, just to give you guys a little summary here from Goodreads. Miles Roby gazes over this ruined kingdom from the Empire Grill, an opportunity of his youth that has become the albatross of his daily and future life. Called back from college and set to work by family obligations, his mother ailing, his father a loose cannon, Miles never left home again. Even so, his own obligations are manifold a pending divorce, a troubled younger brother, and not least, a peculiar partnership in the failing grill with none other than Mrs. Whiting. All of these, though, are offset by his daughter Tick, whom he guides gently and proudly through the tribulations of adolescence. So Richard Russo wrote this book um, in the early 2000s, and it actually won the Pulitzer Prize in, in, um, in 2001. And so we're going to talk about it and talk about what we thought about it. And so Caroline, start us off with the great Gatsby quote well um, so early on in the book Miles has gone to Mrs. Whiting's house um, to have one of his kind of periodic regular conversations with her Um, and she dismisses him at the end of the conversation with this quote from Gatsby it's actually the last line in the novel Um, she says to him "And, and yet we beat on boats against the current borne back ceaselessly into the past um and that happens really early in the novel so it just that kind of hung over me as i made my way through the rest of the novel um and i think it maybe says a lot thematically about some of russo's big ideas um sometime in the novel miles says I mean, if I were so unhappy, wouldn't I know? Um, and there seems to be this kind of recurring motif of um, um, what stagnancy, passivity, um, lack of self-awareness, self-understanding, lack of awareness of others. Is he the anti-Gatsby? Whereas Gatsby reaches, he does not, that hardly moves. I don't know if he, yeah, maybe, because I don't even know if he, you know, Gatsby looks at that green light and longs. I don't even, does Miles long? Occasionally. Because just a, you know, Miles is, Empire Falls is a city in Maine, and he's stuck there. And he likes to go to Martha's Vineyard, right? And so one of the things that he actually kept kind of looking at throughout the book was the, um, the brochure, remember the brochure for the bookstore mm-hmm. in Martha's Vineyard. So I think he did have in the back of his mind an idea of what he wanted to do or what he desired to do, but he couldn't do it. 
Yeah. Like he literally, he, I mean, maybe he could. Um, and that, that, that was part of, of, of the discussion that we've had about this book is, you know, having that desire, having a dream, something that you want to do, um, but you don't do it for whatever reason, whether it's obligation or it seems too hard or it seems impossible or whatever it is. And, and that, that is, that's kind of a theme of the book. Well, I think adding, like, connected to that theme in the book is the whole idea that if you don't act, nature or something will force you to act at some point. Um, spoilers ahead for anyone yeah. who doesn't want to be spoiled. Um, but Miles is compelled to action um, to leave Empire Falls, if but briefly, uh, to... Uh, get his daughter out of Empire Falls after she survives a school shooting. Mm-hmm. And so um, when 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 it feels like there's no choice and he has to do something, he does that. Yeah. And I think that that kind of thing happens over and over, particularly with the whole way the river is used in the book. It, throughout the beginning of the book, the river is very much almost a character in the book mm-hmm. and um it's mistreated the uh the whiting's decisions and what they want for their home affects the river and it comes raging back and makes things change when when they otherwise would not have changed yeah so most of the it seems like most of the characters in the town um, kind of like you you just said, but I think have stayed. Um, and why they've stayed, I think Russo wants us to think a little bit about, and and how that reflects why any of us stays or goes, or mm-hmm. just how um, you may like to think we have this certain amount of control over our lives, and that we're. Um, people who take action and do things and mm-hmm. make things happen. And I think Russo is wondering about that just a little bit. Um, you know, isn't that one of the great human flaws um, that we think we're so much more in control than we really are? Yeah. And, I mean, we control minutia, but are we really um, – do we really spend any time – figuring out what we really want and think and who we really are separate from our families and our towns mm-hmm, yeah. and our those expectations you know the what our world in quotes says we're supposed to yeah. to be yeah cuz i thought that cuz one of the things i thought was interesting about the book was you know the the town empire falls was built around basically two factories right mhm and because of globalization, because of just changing economic forces, those basically, they, they, they closed. And what ends up happening is these people whose parents and grandparents grew up around these factories, they were middle class people, they had good jobs, they had nice homes. Now these kids and these grandkids, now that these stores, these, these factories have closed, they continue to stay. And that was one of the things that they said in the in the book was they had the opportunity to leave. Like they talked about a factory in Birmingham they could have gone to. 
But instead, they chose to stay because, again, the connection that we have to our families, the connection that we have to our history, to our towns, and what have you. And it made me think about just in the last, you know, decade of how those forces of globalization have continued to close down factories and shut down towns and how, like, I think just like a month ago I heard somebody talking about how these people whose the coal plants closed and they could have moved to Arizona to work on solar power farms or something and learn that trade but they didn't um and it sounds easy when you hear about it you know you have these opportunities in other states just go and do it but there's a history there there's a connection there there's a sense of duty there and and it sounds a lot easier than than it is um it's really hard to just to metaphorically pack up and move even if you're taking the people that you love with you um there's so many factors in play um the the unknown and fear of the unknown is a powerful powerful force not to mention just like the logistics of 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 daily life right how does that even like imagine what that life would Uh look like um, I think it feels so foreign, change like that, that it is, um, it makes it seem completely impossible. And we can look from the outside and say, oh, well, they can just look at all the options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the inside, um, it's hard to see the, see the options mm-hmm. um, as real. Um, it, it reminded me of, so um, Henry David Thoreau wrote about um, how, how he said the mass of men lead, lead lives of quiet desperation. What is called resignation is confirmed desperation. And he goes on to talk just about an overall lack of joy in life because we are burdened by the minutia of, he's specifically talking about work. As a transcendentalist, he wanted people to separate from that. But, you know, he's talking about how we're so bogged down by by the minutiae that we really don't experience joy and that we're not even aware most of the time that we're not experiencing joy. Um, and I don't know why, but Miles just embodies that quote for me in, yeah. in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does if you can't tell can we we actually it was a struggle there, this was a struggle but i think there's some good lessons that we can learn right i want to talk about i want to talk about mrs whiting for a minute okay mm-hmm. i find her character fascinating let's talk about her think about her she's just a cruel horrible she human is being terrible is she is like at her core is she just cruel and horrible and terrible or are we supposed to feel something else for her? You can't help but feel badly for her because she was married to a man who loved someone else mm-hmm. and did did not know how to get out of that situation. Well, not a man, not only a man who didn't love her, but a man who didn't want that life. Mm-hmm. Like he was part of the Whiting Empire, right? And he wanted to go to Mexico. He wanted to read poetry and drink beer, and he was basically summoned home. And this is what you are doing. Um, and he marries her. Yeah. 
and he didn't love her. So she's sympathetic in in that, and probably more so because Miles also is married to a wife who who he does not love. Yeah, I do. And they are in the midst of a divorce because she has decided to break free from that. And often to comic relief in the book, or she looks a little um, silly or ridiculous for her choices. But on the other hand, at least she's making choices. Yeah. Um, but I think by the parallel of those two characters, I think we're supposed to recognize that Mrs. Whiting is at least sympathetic, even though she's horrible. I mean, I felt a little bad for her that her husband didn't love her. But she was just cruel. I don't feel bad for her. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I I take that back. Well, I don't... I mean, she just is so... It seems to me that she is very aware um, and and chooses to be cruel. That's the thing. It's like a choice. It's a choice. She chooses to do that. She's unhappy... And her way of exercising control over her inability to control the fact that she's unhappy yeah. is to make other people unhappy. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and I guess that's real. That's very real, right? Like, people in life do that a lot. A lot of people do that. Yes. Well, right? They, yes. they go around yes. making other people miserable because they are miserable. Mm-hmm. So, and I do feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for people like that. Um. But they do have a choice. Man, not that's a, a tough one. Yeah. Well, and it kind of goes back to what we said earlier about, you know, of the, the choosing in action, right? It's easier said than done. Um, like for her, the choice that she makes to be this cruel person, you know, is a, is a real thing. And yes, she had a choice, but. I wonder if it's just so everyone's flawed, yeah, and everyone and there are negative consequences to inaction. There are negative consequences to action. For those of you who have not read the book but are listening on and want to kind of understand what we're talking about, just a little plot point here: um, Miles's mother. Yeah, I thought about that when Caroline was talking. Oh, um, no, sorry. Who has passed away. He came home to care for her when she had cancer. And you find out sort of late in the book Mm -hmm. that his mother has had an affair with Francine Whiting's husband, husband, CB. And that's um, who he loves. And his mother, who who is Miles' father, is kind of a deadbeat, does what he wants to do, leaves town most of the half the year to paint. Um on the coast and then the other half of the year he leaves to go spend the money he made painting not in the keys and 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 he believes he's being a good father because when he's gone there's one less mouth to feed (laughs) that's his argument for why that's good and so when we talk about miss whiting being um having had a wrong done to her that that is it is that her husband fell in love with miles's mother and there's a lot of blame centered around Miles' mother's death in that was it C.B. Whiting's fault that um, Miles' mother was so sad because, um, or is was it Miles's fault that his mother was so sad because of his existence because he she had a child she would not leave her deadbeat husband yeah I mean that was her yeah that was her her she wanted to leave um 
Max, Miles's dad, but didn't because of of Miles. That sense of duty, which isn't, which is another interesting point that we probably won't get into today, but that would be an interesting conversation to have, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um. The. So, so everyone makes. Everyone who makes any kind of choice, including non-choice, non-action, yeah. which is also a choice, mm-hmm. um, it's just bad, right? I mean, what? The, he says. I, I was telling you guys this earlier. He says in the in the book. He says um, the that um, there was no right thing to say. That the choice wasn't between right and wrong, but between wrong, more wrong, and as wrong as you can get. <laughs> That's how he lived his life. That's what he felt. The choice of two nightmares. It's just <laughs> wrong, wrong, and wrong. You know, if it's about duty, the 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 line between joy and duty, maybe duty, maybe being dutiful. I want. Is it is? It makes me wonder if it's ever right to be dutiful if you have no joy in it, because there are lots of things that we are dutiful for that are miserable, but. It's joyful to do it only because the, I don't know. Um, Bringing other people joy? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, But if, if in your duty there is no joy, is it good? I don't think maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I'm considering lots of different scenarios in my head and so I'm not sure. I have another quote to read. Okay. Do you read it? <laughs> I'm glad you have those quotes at the ready. Do y'all know, did you remember this one? It, this is Miles. It pleased Miles to imagine God as someone like his mother, someone beleaguered by too many responsibilities, too dog-tired to monitor an energetic boy every minute of the day, but who, out of love and fear for his safety, checked in on him whenever she could. Was this so crazy? Miles liked the idea of a God who, when he at last had the opportunity to return his attention to his children, might shake his head with wonder and mutter, Jesus, look what they're up to now. A distractible God, perhaps. One who'd be startled to discover so many of his children way up in trees since the last time he looked. A God whose hand would go rushing to his mouth in fear in that instant of recognition that, good God, that kid's going to hurt himself. A God who could be surprised by unanticipated pride. Glory be that boy's a climber. I love that. Mm -hmm. That is nice. I don't know what it means, but I love it. I agree. I agree. I'm not. I'm not sure what to think. I mean, that uh, so a distractible God who's not paying attention most of the time fits it to me. Fits in the world of Empire Falls, mm-hmm. where you know the, Russo is saying so much about choices we have and control we have or don't have, mm-hmm. and the fallout, the consequences that come from that. Um, can only all be true if God's distracted. No, that makes sense to me. Right, right. Well, and the, I, th- I think I'm backtracking here a little bit, so I apologize for that, but I just realized if Miles really cared about what his mother wanted, he would have left. Yeah. He would not have been there to take care of her because that was the one thing he didn't want. And it was only when there's like an ominous moment towards the end where you, you see where things are going and Miss um, Whiting calls and says, I'd like to have a conversation with you about your future and your daughter's future. Yeah. Which m- makes you realize that she wants to exert control over his his daughter's life and the one thing he doesn't want is for her to end up yeah. 
stuck in Empire Falls. Yeah. Just like he was. And so he when he comes back, it's because Mrs. Whiting Miss Whiting called Brings him home. Him back. Yes. Doesn't she go there? Yes. And get him? And the mom was like, no, do not come home. And he, she basically guilted him into coming home. Like, your mom needs you. Guilt is a powerful power. She And she's full of guilting people into things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So her husband accidentally ran over their daughter mm-hmm. and crippled her. And... Um, he carries around guilt because she makes up a story about a hit and run about a hit and run and he lives his life in fear of her telling the truth and the guilt of and and not being able to release that guilt by keeping it a secret he's he's never able to release the guilt of that moment oh that's passive aggressive manipulation Mm -hmm. she's super passive aggressive lots of people are like that too oh she was like that with his mom yep like knowing that she had an affair Miles' mom had an affair with Miss Whiting's husband, and then she goes and makes, you have to work for me? Because mm-hmm. you don't have a job now? And not only that, but then... That's weird. She, Miles' mother feels so guilty that she Does walks it. away from her own children. Like, there's yeah. a point in the book where... She crosses the bridge. And, and she turns her back on her own family, and it's described as she has a new family mm-hmm. now. And it's... Because she's gone awful, all the time. It's weird. Awful. <sighs> so, no, no surprises that this... Um, the funny thing about this is the book is kind of has moments of humor and the way Richard Russo writes is is not necessarily like it doesn't feel super sad but it's hard. Yeah. It's, it feels like Faulkner. Mm, a little bit it like does, Faulkner. Yeah. And um Holly asked the other day like or didn't didn't ask, but just n- mention like this one the Pulitzer. Why did this win the Pulitzer? And I started looking back at other books that won the Pulitzer, and saw that Goldfinch was one, mm-hmm. and it made me think, well, oh, that was hard too. Yeah. This is very Goldfinch esque. It's like a good story, but um, I was never running to pick it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So maybe we can do better next time. We will do better next time. There is joy. Just yeah, to be clear, yeah, we, I asked, the, uh, like, where's the joy in the book? Um, there's got to be something Russo's saying, right, that's positive. It's amazing what we haven't even talked about. Like, yeah. there's so many there, things. This book is almost 500 lots. pages long. Lots and lots. And, and we're major out. plot points happen in, like, four pages mm-hmm. of those 500 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you guys think about the joy? I think Tick. Ticket, ticket. Miles' daughter. Yeah. That's her name is, is Tick. Like, what's her real name? Christina. Christina. They call her Tick. Um, it's kind of like Tater. <laughs> Shout out. And I, I like I like the part in the end. Tick has this friend Candace throughout the book, and Candace is kind of wild. And she's not too sure about her. Um, and she's actually shot in the school, in the school sh- um, sh- shooting. And what was the quote about one friend? Do um, you have that, Caroline? I happen to have that right here. Um, what if all everybody needed in the world was to be sure of one friend? What if you were the one and you refused to say those simple words? Yeah, because Candace needed a friend, and Tick in the end was that. That was cool. That was another joy. Like Miles and Tick, their relationship, like you said, mm-hmm. Janine, earlier, and then their fr- watching their friendship bloom was fun to mm-hmm. watch, to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, yeah. It's hard to see, I think, as moms, particularly me, a, a mom of a tween, to see a mother and daughter 
have no joy. There was no joy no, in that yeah. relationship. So that was that was interesting. That was no fun. Yeah. You know, when when you look at, at, at reviews, I went and looked at, at Goodreads and some Amazon reviews. There were several comments about Russo's writing that he's a man's man. Like these books are um, written very much from that that point of view. And so that was interesting to think about too, with how he portrayed the mother and daughter in this relationship. Yeah. I mean, in this book, and then you know, the father father daughter. It is. I've got so much to say about that, but we don't have time. <laughs> No, but I really do, actually. <laughs> um, all right, so we're just going to end what it. What do we read next? We're going to end it there. Uh, it's going to be fun. We don't want this to be an hour to two-hour podcast. Um, we are going to read. We're going to we try to pick something a little bit lighter. <laughs> Not so. <laughs> more page-turning. Well, it's more the page end of turning. the school year. We need something a little lighter. Um, we're going to take a look at The Girls in the Garden, which is by Lisa Jewell. So that's where we are going to to go next it's one of people's glamours and buzzfeed's best reads of the summer come on y'all um pick it up so we're going to to take a look at that it's a page turner hopefully in the, isn't it a murder mystery suspenseful i think it's it a is suspense. It's suspense. Sure. There's, there's a murder or two so all right let's make that happen so one thing you should know is that if we um we'll we'll uh let you know if we decide to choose another book but for the future's sake we've decided to employ nancy pearl's um, math for how long to stick with the book. Nancy Pearl's a librarian um, who was often on NPR. And she says, if you are under 50, then give a book 50 pages. And if you don't love it, you don't have to continue. Like it, she absol- as a librarian, she absolves us all of feeling like we have to finish. And the three of us should not struggle. So, okay. we'll Y'all, get- I stop books all the time. I do too. I do. I think you don't, Holly. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to let her go. (laughs) Do not feel a sense of duty to that book if it isn't bringing you joy. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I do want to say, too, um, that we are on iTunes. So if you guys, if you would be so kind to uh, rate us, subscribe to us, review. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. That would be fantastic. Um I'm looking at you, Grace and Lasku song. <laughs> Josie Campbell. Josie Campbell from the pod. <laughs> um, all right. Bye, That's y'all. it, y'all. Bye. Girls in the garden. Woo-woo. Go.